This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We talk about good culture, meaning it's a culture that's aligned with a business strategy that creates a work environment in which people can do their best work towards that business strategy and towards that purpose. I am unwilling to give up that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from the Kara Golden Show, and I'm here today with my friend, Rebecca Freeze. Hi, how are you? Hi. I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here. Super happy to have you here. So Rebecca, I keep wanting to call her Becky because I've known okay. her for years. <laughs> she goes by both, is the author of the brand new book, The Good Culture, The Leader's Guide to Creating a Workplace That Doesn't Suck. And I have to tell you that Rebecca has been really like at the forefront of how do you create great culture. I think I spoke at one of your events. Oh my God, I'm, I'm totally dating. It was in 2012. It yeah, was... which is, that's what I was going to say. I, I was going to say it was like eight years ago and <laughs> that's how we met. And yep. she runs this amazing group called Flynn Consulting. You can check out what she's doing, but she basically has a really, really unique model, which we'll talk a little bit about. And her, she gets out to lots of different companies and brings lots of different experience from different leaders in different industries in to kind of think about how to do things differently when, especially when companies are stuck, they're a great company, they're stuck. Yeah. And how do we, you know, change things, which we've all been there before. But anyway, she's done this amazing thing by bringing a lot of this together in her book, nicknamed The Good Culture. So I'm very, very excited to have her here. And like I said, she's a workplace crusader with more than 20 years of experience in change management leadership. And she's based in the Bay Area as well, used to be in New York, so knows the New York climate quite well and has, like I said, has worked with lots of different companies and everything from food and beverage to apparel to tech. She knows it all, right? (laughs) I know enough to be dangerous at this point. That's for sure. (laughs) Exactly. So thank you so much for coming in and being with us here today. I really, really appreciate it. So let's dive right into the book, The Good Culture. What made you write this? Wow. I was just telling this story. I have, um, I've wanted to write it for a very, very long time because this is, culture is one of those things that we all talk about, but there's not a lot of agreement or definition around it. And there's not a lot of how Mm -hmm. when it comes to, okay, of of course we want to have a good culture. Everybody kind of understands having a good culture is probably a good thing, right? And we can get into that more about how actually critical it is. But 
there's just not a lot out there about how to actually do it. And this is the the work, this has been our purpose for years now at Flynn around really understanding what is good culture and how does company actually create that for their employees. And we've been doing that work in projects. We've been working with companies for years, trying to understand, get behind the scenes, um, share their knowledge with each other. But we needed to just really document it and get it out there so that people could understand that not only is it possible to influence or, or change your culture, that you know there's companies doing it and, and that there's a process and a way to do it. And I think it was one of those things that finally last year, I was like, okay, we just, I got to get this book on paper. Like we just have to make it happen. We were so busy doing the work that we realized, you know, we actually have to get it down so that people even know that this is a possibility. So last year was the kind of, moment where I said, this is happening. I'm, I'm getting a publisher or making this happen. Yep. So you talk about good culture and you say that good culture isn't just about the feel good policies. What do you mean by that? Right. Right. I think what we've seen over the years is those that deeply understand what culture is really get it. But those on kind of the outside of it may look in at these quote unquote good cultures and say like, well, you know, there's like they put ping pong tables in there. They have kombucha on top. And like, that's what makes a good culture. That makes our employees happy. And they're not actually recognizing the distinction between some of those outward actions or kind of end things and what they're actually trying to accomplish at the organization. So when we talk about good culture, there's no one definition of it in the sense of you can't just say, well, good culture has these things happening, Right. We talk about good culture, meaning it's a culture that's aligned with a business strategy that creates a work environment in which people can do their best work towards that business strategy and towards that purpose. So what comes out of that is, you know, these end result things, if they aren't things that are actually helping towards that alignment or that purpose, then they're they're actually in a disconnect between what they're trying to do as a company and the things that they're putting in place. So then that ping pong table that may work at one company is because it's helping align and create conversation and create casual moments and whatever that they need for innovation and creativity doesn't work at the company that's all about security and, you know, understanding like process and having a more a culture that needs to have a, a more stage gate a process to get their work done it suddenly becomes this disconnect that you're putting in a, a solution that actually isn't going to create the culture that you need in order to get the work done that aligns everybody. Does that make sense? Yeah. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. 
They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. Well, and I also feel like that is something 
that a lot of people kind of look for, but actually don't necessarily want. I mean, we've talked to right. people, right? Like, you know, thinking that that's what I thought I wanted, right? Nice. And then I got there and then it was like all the things in addition to, you know, the pool table and the kegs and, you know, and the and sort of like the culture that ends up getting created off of that, that they didn't see right. coming, Right. I'm sure you've heard those stories as well. So, well, your own story, Kara, was such a perfect example of this. I just want to kind of come back to which your story. Book because, I got a lot of stories. So, <laughs> your career story. So, going yeah. from going from time and then to CNN and then to AOL, where it's small. Like your articulation of the work environment and the different cultures, which in and of their own rights, were the right culture for those companies. So Time had that culture mm-hmm. in order to get the work done that they needed to get done. You went to CNN, and it was more like a startup culture at the time, and everybody was going yeah. a million miles a minute. And you were like, that that's the culture that they needed at that time. That was the work environment. You personally you know, were like, what suits me? Right. And that fit for you is what needed to be aligned, right? And to understand that, there's a, the CEO of, have you heard of the website, The Muse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the CEO, Catherine Minshew. Yeah, of I the, love of Catherine. The Muse. Yeah. So Catherine, I love Catherine too. And she talks about how, you know, there's no one better culture than another. There's, you know, these culture, well, there are, but it, it's more like dating, she says. It's more like, you know, a culture that's good for you may not be good for another person, right? And it's where a culture is bad is if it's not aligned with what its purpose is. So if you went into a CNN environment and they had at that time brought in a bunch of like old stodgy processes and, you know, stage gate things, and it was people were hitting barriers to getting their work done because they, people would have been really hard for them to accomplish their business strategy in that work environment, right? And it would have been a disconnect between the culture that they had and what they needed in order to get the work done, Yeah. right? So that's the thing. Bad cultures are ones that are misaligned, Mm -hmm. but there's no like perfect profile of a good culture. It's just one that's aligned with their business mission. No, I totally, I totally agree. And I feel like, you know, one of the things that I talk about in my book too, is like, I'm, I'm actually really thankful for experiencing all these different cultures because I couldn't have like identified, you know, that. And, you know, from the beginning, I mean, I, I didn't sit there and say, oh, I want to go work for, I mean, a lot of people have this opportunity where they, they're like, they want to go work for a smaller company or a startup. And then all of a sudden they're like shocked by kind of what has occurred. But I, and then they, they're like, oh yeah, it was too small. It was too this, it was too that. Like I liked the, I didn't have a lot of direction. I didn't have have a lot, right. All of this other stuff. (laughs) But as I like have worked in all these different environments, I'm like, what did you like? Yeah, exactly. Right. And so how do you pull those things out of like the kind of, you know, more challenging or, negative right. opportunities and instead just say like it couldn't have all been bad it like all been bad. yeah yeah and so and i think like that's what's so important and i think that's what you have always been excellent at too that you're like you know this is the situation and this is what's good and this is right. like what's more challenging for some people and well who are the types of people that will do well in this sort of environment exactly so the interesting thing is is you, is you have to you have to back up. And if, first and foremost, if leaders of that organization aren't aligned on what they're trying to create, right? Like what is their purpose? What kind of, you know, what's their mission? What's their vision? What are their values? And what trying to, kind of culture do they need to have 
in order to support that, right? If they're not first and foremost aligned and clear about that, and then secondly, transparent about it, it's so hard to then attract the people that will be aligned with that work, right? So you think about it, it's like a black box. And there's Maria Ross, who's a, I know you know Maria, she's a branding expert. And she talks a lot about this disconnect between this like aspirational brand and what you're trying to create and then what's on the internal and what happens a lot of times is, is you have these leaders who create this like picture perfect brand on the external and attracts people. And then they come in and the way that work gets done, which is another way in which we define culture is how work gets done, is completely different than the, the brand that they're espousing, right? And that then you have people that are then completely disengaged. Like it's very hard for them to kind of get up and go to work every day, knowing that they're going to a place that they didn't really sign up for. You know, I thought I was going to be working at this type of place and it's actually this type of place. Again, it's not that one is good or one that's bad. It's the misalignment of those expectations and the lack of clarity around it. It makes it very hard for a person to choose organizations to work for if there's not that alignment and transparency. Totally. I mean, I feel like there's two audiences for your book. I mean, there's one who is sitting inside of a company thinking, my company's a mess right now. And how do I create culture? And by the way, there's a whole other piece where even if you thought that you had your culture figured out, the last nine months in the pandemic, you're now feeling like there's this major disconnect you know, yeah. we can't have the pool tables anymore, right? Like mm-hmm. we can't do this stuff. And so how do you change, you know, that for employees? And then yeah. I feel like there's also this audience too that is trying to find the right culture, right? Yeah. Maybe their company, I mean, I've talked to a number of people who are really challenged during this time in the pandemic, yeah. like where they're sitting here working from home and they're and they're like, my company is not going back to the office yeah. till yeah. at least the end of 2021. And while that may seem like super great to some, like there's other people who are like, I don't really challenging. It's really challenging. Yeah. And so I feel like there's that question out there too, with, you know, what culture do I want? Right? How do you figure that out as well? And I think it's, you know, to your point, it's not always what it is on like, what do you think are the top things when you're interviewing for what, like, what kind of questions would you ask? Yeah. So there's like six questions in there, which is all really good and all interrelated. So first of all, the audience of of this book is truly the leaders in organizations. Mm -hmm. And you could be, you know, a CEO or you could be a leader of function or just a team, right? Because we have all these subcultures. And and I like to say like, even if like the Uber culture you personally can't impact, you can impact those around you and those in your team, right? So Mm -hmm we all know that people leave or stay with organizations because of their manager, right? Like Mm -hmm. that is literally the case for the percentage of something like 85% of the reason why people leave is because of their direct manager and that relationship. They, you know, it's, it's what, what makes or breaks their day on a daily basis. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why this book is for them. And it's for any level. If you're talking about your whole organizational culture, or if you're talking about just like, how do I create a team culture that can thrive? Right. And, and work with that. So So that's the first part of the question. The second part of the question is around this, how do you have culture in a pandemic? Like, what do you do now that everything has shifted? There's no physical way to nudge your culture in a way that you like to, whether it's with open spaces or private spaces or workshop, you know, or ping pong tables or whatever it is, the physical aspect of your culture and what that encourages is now gone. 
And we have to think about mm-hmm. what is now missing now that the, that a physical workplace is not there and how can we how can we replace that? And my answer to that is, first of all, it's, it's a hard thing to do. There's no doubt in my mind, but it's not an impossible thing to do. And not only that, what this has created is incredible opportunities for us to, as leaders, really kind of show our true colors when it comes to the values that we espouse. So it's really easy to put, you know, values on a wall and say like, look, we're supporting our culture. Like we did this thing and we did open space because we like innovation. And it's like, okay, now that that's gone, if you truly value innovation, how are you going to make that happen? How are you going to, how are you going to actually make that value stand up when you can't be in a room with somebody? And it's making leaders dig deep and really think about what it is that they really truly need and want and put Mm -hmm. their like actions behind that. And we're seeing a divide. We're seeing leaders that those values are showing up left and right. And they are Mm -hmm. even getting better engagement scores with their people. They are getting, you know, even more productivity out of their team, more loyalty through this pandemic, because they are stepping into this and saying, how can we do this? And then you're seeing the opposite, where leaders are truly failing their people, where they could kind of skid by before now in the face of a pandemic and people not being in their offices and not being able to like see them and kind of be reassured just by physical presence, you know, that they're just, they're, they don't have the, the future skills, the empathy, the whatever is needed in order to actually bring their people along and really truly embody whatever their values are for their company. Right. So, and I'm, I'm sure you're facing this as a leader yourself. You've got 200 people around the country and just thinking about that, like how you're supporting your people, leading with empathy, really going back to your values as a company, you know, those actions that you're taking right now are truly actually making people be even more connected to their company, depending on, depending on their leaders and their actions throughout yeah. this. Well, I think the biggest difference that I've seen, and I've talked about this with some other leaders, is that no one I know has ever been through a pandemic and has gone. We luckily had a lot of people who were working remotely because we, we have salespeople right. like all exactly. over the country. And so they, they didn't need this office. Yeah. You know, we didn't always see them. We saw them like once a year, we would have like a whole company get together or actually every other year we'd like really, yeah. you know, like spend a whole lot of money to sort of bring everybody together in this really nice place. And it was like, again, we did it every other year because we thought like, you know, we can do that, right? Everybody wanted to stay at a nice place and like have a lot of fun. And so we did it every other year. They'd rather do that than like, you know, a cheap place. Like let's let's do it right. They're like, let's do it right. And that was like quality versus quantity. Like we had decided as a company. (laughs) So that's what we did. And then that got canceled, you know, this year. But I think like the key thing that we recognized was that even though they didn't need an office in many cases, like we have 60 of the people working in San Francisco, we had a chunk of people working in New York as well. What they did need was some one-on-one and sort of like, you know, we had a few handfuls of people that actually had different situations where like they were taking care of aging parents and they couldn't sort of like, they wanted to like be salespeople and do their job every single day, but they just didn't think it was right for like the family. And was there something else that they could be doing? Right. And so we didn't lay people off during the time, but we did have to take like one-on-one 
with a lot of people and adjust and adjust. And there was like, and then there were other people that were saying like, you know, like, is there any way I can start my job? If I talk to a grocery store or whatever, could I do my job at like six o'clock in the morning versus like doing it at, you know, starting at like, nine or nine 30 because right. Because then I have to help my kids get into school and totally. I have to do X, Y, Z. Right. So can I shift my schedule? Right. right. And then also there were people that said to us, like, I know everybody's working remotely until the end of the year, but people were like, I've got three roommates. Like this is really hard for me. And is there any way, since there's no one in the office, can I go in to the office? Yeah. So part of our culture, especially during this pandemic time is actually like being able to go one-on-one and not treat yeah. everybody as the same just because you work in this department or 100%. you've been like the stellar employee. Like it's not about, you know, equality or, or however you want to, it's really about, you know, let's work through this together. Let's work individually through it and make see what's going to work for that person given this context. And I think that is exactly what you're seeing in good leaders. So thank you for being a role model for that, honest to God, because what's happening is leaders that are, I don't even know how to put it. There's a fear. There's a fear factor, like to do the wrong thing, to say the wrong thing. If I give this to this one person, I'm going to have to give it to somebody else and like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and kind of stripping away. And we, we see this pre pandemic, whenever big changes are happening or whatever, that the fear, well, I can't be transparent yet. Cause that's not perfect yet. I can't roll that thing out yet. Cause we haven't figured out all the, you know, intricacies, the people that we see winning, frankly, in this pandemic are the leaders that are just like, look, we're building the plane as we're flying it, right? Like we are, we are, nobody's been through a pandemic before. We know what's going to happen tomorrow. We're just going to go and go. We're going to do head of uh, people at Kronos or it's now UKG Mm -hmm. had this great quote. He was on one of our events and speaking to our group. And he said, we're just going to do the next right thing. Like, we're just going to do the next right thing. And those are the leaders that are just like going forward and saying, okay, let's take a conversation. Let's try to get the context. Let's be empathetic. Let's understand that we're all in this together. And I think that's one of the opportunities that we have is actually, it's not just like, oh, this one employee over here and this one, we're all going through this together. Mm -hmm. And so what an opportunity for us for, you know, the first time in our lives to all be in a situation together and what an opportunity for pure actual empathy to be able to say, okay, let me put myself in your shoes. And not only that, I'm being invited into your home. I'm already learning so much more about you than I, than I ever had, because now I'm literally in your home. I see your kids running across the back. I see the cat walking across the thing that, you know, I've had clients of mine, like changing diapers while I'm on a video call with them. It's just, I mean, when have we ever been able to be ourselves in a way that's so genuine and true. And it's been hard. I'm not saying that it's been blissful, but it's it's a wide open opportunity for those leaders that can lead with empathy to really like double down on their values and double down on what's right for their people yeah. in order to, frankly, still let the business thrive and the people thrive. Because the good leaders know that if my people are thriving, my business is going to thrive, totally. right? And so, you know, and that's where that disconnect of people thinking like, well, we just have to focus on the business. I don't care about everything else that's going on with you. Like, it's like, what? You can't do that. Like, you've got a person that is got to get his kid on school at 9am. Of course, we're going to try to let him work beforehand if he's willing to do that. How amazing is that? Right? Well, and I and I also feel like the other thing that 
that I've really seen as well is that things change sometimes like every couple of weeks, right? Where right. people are, you know, they're, I think you, being able to talk to people and motivate people and, you know, like be open, be open and kind of go one-on-one with people because I think yeah. everybody's got, you know, their challenges. If you see everybody's got stuff going on. Yeah. yeah you hear that, whatever you're like two of your people have now like, you know, come down with COVID, right? Like all of a sudden you're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to be able to make my revenue goals or, you know, or whatever that is. Like, again, I think you have to be able to like go in and go one-on-one with these people. And, you know, and I think we've seen in our company too, like people that I never would have predicted as having kind of mental health or, you know, kind of depression prior to this. And this was the straw that broke the camel's back. Exactly. They were right there. They're coasting through. They're holding it all together. You would have never known. But then this just, it's a lot. This just hit. Yeah. It it hit a lot. And I think that, you know, compounding it, I think is like if your parents are living and you like far away and you haven't gotten a chance to see them, them, that just affects different people. And so I think it all kind of, you know, that sort of yin and yang that goes on too during this time is also, you know, another piece of the culture. So I love how you talk about, you know, how to figure out what works for your company and in real life. And I'm going to push on you too, because I do believe your book is also great for... Right. No. Yeah. So I want to come back to that. I I do. Because I do think, I really do think like it's a question where I'll give you an example and here, and and I'd be curious to hear what you say. So I'm mentoring this guy who was, you know, pretty big guy inside of a, you know, a couple of big companies. Then he went to this one company and he realized that like, he didn't really want that culture. Mm. And I said, so what was the culture? He described it to me. And then he said, you know, I think it's me. It's not them. Like I've now Mm. got a small family. I like, you know, part of the culture, what I realized was like hanging out at work and like, you know, like being able to go out. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. I don't want to do that anymore. Like I don't want to. And so he said to me, like, how do I figure this stuff out before I get in there and have to like, you know, get out of there? Because I want to join a company and be successful. You know, I said to him that if they really want you, right? And I think expire you are, like, I think you have more time to start to, like, figure this culture out. Like, you know, my thought to him was like, I would actually ask, like, you know, how people like try and figure out is there a picture in the room or like you're in a house, you hear screaming kids in the background. Oh, you know, do you have kids? Yeah. Does he does he shut the door and pretend like pretend like there's no kids in the background to be all professional or does is he yeah. like oh, hold on and he brings his baby onto his lap during the interview right like it's like a you know those kind of indicators yeah, yeah. and and again that may need, that may be like a positive thing for some <laughs> but not so much for for other people, right? It's like what Catherine said, like it's dating, you know, a, a guy that's great for one person may be horrible for another person, right? It's the same thing with companies, like a work environment where you will thrive could be very different than a work environment where somebody else would thrive. I mean, that's, and you have to think about where, where am I? So to, to answer your question, I think you asked like, 
you know, what would be the interview questions, but I think the first and foremost is getting clear for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like what, what do you want? Yeah. And I'm going to come back to your book too, because it, it just was such a great example of this. It's like really understanding like what you want. Like when you founded Hint, it was like, you wanted to do something that had an impact. You wanted something that felt purposeful mm-hmm. where you were helping people in some way or another. And so, you know, that coming together, you got really clear on on that purpose part first. So I think that's the first thing is like understanding even the type of company you want to work with, you know, and what is their purpose. And that can be all across the board. I think people get really confused when we say purpose, because they think it has to be some sort of like, you know, peace giving social purpose, like something like, you know, solving world hunger. It doesn't have to be, it can be designing products that delight. It can be designing the best flavored coffee, you know, because that makes you happy, like giving people joy of coffee. Oh, with no sweeteners. I do think it's an interesting thing because people get caught up in like, like what's purpose and purpose. All it is, is like, what gives you joy? Like, what is something that you want to create and have impact on in the world? Right. And finding a company totally. that's doing something that aligns with that. And it could be a higher level. It could be something that's not like a very specific you know, thing about clothing or beverage or tech, it could be more of like a, I want to do something that solves big problems. Like I want to do something, you know, but that first understanding that first and foremost, and then the second piece is really thinking about, okay, when I am thriving at work, when I'm like in flow, when I am just having the best time in my life and I know I'm killing it, what is happening? And like really envisioning that, really thinking about, it. am I around a lot of people or am I by myself? Am I, am I collaborating a lot? Or am I like given projects that I go off and do, you know, am I strategic thinking or I'm an executor? Am I getting into the details or am I a big idea person? You know, it's like, what are those, what are those kind of qualities and things that um, will help you not only find like a job description within a company, but then also that work environment in which, you know, you can thrive. So there's some things that like us as humans need to exist in order for us to thrive. And I think Dan Pink's book just nails it on the head. So, you know, you have to give people a sense of purpose. You have to have them have autonomy and mastery. So you have to be learning and growing the whole time, right? I think he just nails it. And I feel like any work environment, if you want your people to thrive, you got to nail those three things. You really do. But then other than that, it's all around the context in which you're working. Again, if you're working for a Disney versus an S&P global, you have a different type of work culture in order to meet the business objectives. Your, your work culture has to meet up with the strategy. We need a certain type of environment and work culture and values that support our mission and vision and strategy and our purpose, right? And it's going to be different for different types of companies. So that's where you start to go, okay, if this is the type of place where I thrive, what types of companies create that kind of environment? And then is the truth telling piece of it is like, okay, they purport this, is it actually true? And that's where your research, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're really good at this, like the, the detailed research, like getting in there, getting behind the scenes, but you know, it's all about, there's all these websites now. You've got The Muse, you've got uh, Glassdoor, you've got LinkedIn, you've got all, there's so much information out there. I mean, when we were coming out of school, I mean, I loved your stories about like, you know, I, like meeting people at the restaurant and saying like, well, where do you work? Like, like, I mean, yeah. like we had nothing. We had like the career services, which had like a bland description. Like there's no, there's no, there's, there's so much now to do research. But then I would always go to like, ask people that, you know, that have worked there or are working there that can tell you stories about what it's like to work there. Tell me what it's like to work there in their own words. You know, don't ask like, well, are they innovative? 
just just say like what was it like to work there and see if you're getting excited about the way they're describing it or if it's actually bringing you down you know so that's first and foremost and then yeah i think that there's cues now almost every almost every company now has like a set of values or at least can kind of describe their their culture like have them talk about it but then they shouldn't just list it, have them say how that shows up on a day-to-day. So you say that you're transparent in your organization. Tell me how that shows up. How would I know if I was working there that, that, that you were transparent? You know, and if they don't have a story to back it up, then it's probably not actually happening. It's probably an aspirational value versus an actual value, right? right? And hopefully they can even tell their own personal stories about it. Like, well, I'll tell you why I know that we're transparent because this one time when I was questioning a decision that was made by leadership, you know, I put my hand up in an all hands meeting and they answered me truthfully, even though it was a really hard answer to hear, like whatever that story is, right? That's what you want to hear when you're going through the interviews, that they're actually their actions are actually aligning with their, with their values. So yeah, I guess I did have a lot to say about that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I love it. And I do believe that this book, I mean, I, I think that the other thing is, is that you may not think that you have impact, like in how and what your company's culture looks like. But actually, I think coming out of COVID, I think everybody is, you know, like the longer we're working from home or when we all go back into the office, like there's going to be, I mean, the stuff is not going to get figured out. And I think every great organization really believes that ideas can come from anywhere. And so, right. And so you read a, you read a book like your book and it really helps you to kind of think about like how we can just be better which is really what everybody, everybody you know, wants. you know, I feel like sometimes there's this us and them thing going on, but doesn't everybody want to have a culture in which they can thrive? Doesn't everybody want to do good work and have impact? I mean, it's so much of our lives and everybody wants it. So I, I couldn't agree more. I think that there, that ownership around creating a good culture definitely starts with the individual. Absolutely. On every level. So you're right. You're absolutely totally. right. Well, and I think that the the offices that sort of banked on the idea that they have a culture, you know, of ping pong tables and kegs and everything, even if you like if you thought like, okay, I don't want to go work at that company anymore because it's got that culture like that's no longer there. Right. So there's there's a whole eruption that is going to happen in 2021 when a lot of people are going back to work because they're going to be lost without that culture. And so I think that that's a whole other topic that I think is so really, really interesting. So where do people find out or where's the best place for listeners to find the good culture and, you know, whether it's the book and then also, well, we'll talk about the book first. So where's the best place for people to purchase it? So they can go to thegoodculturebook.com and purchase it. All the links will be there. And so that's the best or else, you know, just find me on Amazon, of course, always. The last name is Freeze, Rebecca Freeze. And I don't, it might be hard for people to spell. So F-R-I-E-S-E. And then you can also just find me on LinkedIn and, and uh, elsewhere. I'm, I'm everywhere at this point. <laughs> and Flynn Consulting, if you're yeah. to the point about what we were just talking about, about culture yeah. and what is, you know, next for companies in 2021. If you guys need help, Rebecca is, she's the girl and her and her team and they're great at sort of looking at like, how do you move forward and how do you 
roll into 2021 and, and really get the culture where it needs to be so that you can do lots of great things. Amazing so, work. Yep. Thank yeah, you. Thank you so much. And if you guys all liked this podcast, please give it lots of lots of high marks and come see us and on the other great ones that we're doing on Mondays and Wednesdays and definitely go out and buy Rebecca's book too. Thank you. And yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, and mine. It, you can buy two of them. Great holiday gifts. Exactly. So, thanks so much, everybody. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.